Good morning, friends. This is Joel Martin with you for the Everlasting Word. Now, last week in the book of James, uh, we <clears throat> we stopped at verse 5, where James was writing to the uh, the 12 tribes, the, the Jews that had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He told them in verse 5, he said, If you lack wisdom, that let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. But as we pick up in verse 6 here, James puts a qualifier here on verse 5. In verse 6, he says, But let him ask in faith. Now, those of us that have been fortunate enough to have been raised on good sound preaching and good sound teaching, we understand that when we we go to God, we must come in faith. Now, again, I can only speak for myself here, but do I always come in faith? Do I doubt at times? Absolutely. Yes. Um, our trials, our tribulations, they... Um, they beat us up. They really do. But what we have to do is we have to ask in faith. And as the word says, nothing wavering. In other words, nothing doubting. Now, what's interesting here <clears throat> of why James says, but let him ask in faith, we have to keep in mind who he's writing to. He's writing to Jewish people who have come to faith in Christ. Now, these Jews, their upbringing or their background was based on the law, based on if you want to please God, it must be through works. So James is reiterating to them that you can do no work to please God. So, with, And the Bible clearly teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So James is reiterating to them, if you're going to ask God for wisdom, that you have to ask in faith, absolutely nothing wavering. And he describes a man that wavereth. He says, for he that wavereth is like a wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, whichever direction the, the way the, the wind's blowing, that's the direction you're going. And he says, and this verse 7 should really, really, really just wake us up. He says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, a lot of times we've prayed and prayed and prayed for things, and, and I know the... <coughs> The Lord's timing is not our timing. But a lot of times we've asked amiss. You know, as we study on, we'll, we'll get to it later in the book of James in chapter 4 where it says, you have not because you've asked amiss that you would consume it upon your lust, your, your lustful desires. See, a lot of times when we ask something, we're not asking according to the Lord's will. We're not asking in, in full faith. And that, and a lot of times we, we don't receive things and we become bitter towards God. But the real problem is on our end. It's not on God's end. The real problem is on our end. And he goes on and he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
not some of his ways, all of his ways. And that double-minded man, that man that wants to one minute trust God, the next minute doubt God, he's just as unstable as that wave of the sea that's driven by the wind and tossed. So God is not going to grant us anything unless in our hearts we are showing him full trust, full faith, full reliance on him. But then James changes gears here in verse 9, and he says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. Now, if we study in verse 2, apparently there was some oppression. Apparently the, the, the rich were oppressing these Jewish believers. There was some oppression going on. There were maybe some persecution going on. And he says in verse 9, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. He's trying to remind the brother of low degree of who he is in Christ. He's a born-again believer. He's a joint heir to the Father's throne in heaven. He, he is protected. He is sealed by the blood, and he is exalted. And when that day of judgment comes, when he comes to the judgment seat of Christ, he, he's going to go through in all the works that won't of wood, hay, and stubble that will not just uh, withstand the judgment. In the end, he will enter into the Lord's kingdom, and he will hear those words, enter in, you good and faithful servant. However, he's reminding the brother of low degree that the rich, the, the rich people's lifestyle is purely only temporary. For he says, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. In other words, the rich man's riches is just as fragile as the grass. It's temporary and it's fragile. And that's why we cannot put any trust in riches. Is it wrong to be rich? No, it's wrong to be rich and put your riches in front of before the Lord, it is. Abraham was rich. There was, but but Abraham's faith. Abraham p completely put God first. Abraham depended on God. He did not depend on his wealth. But see, what James is trying to remind these Jewish believers here, these rich people that are oppressing him, oppressing them, it's only temporary. And their their riches and their ways is just as fragile as the grass because he gives a metaphor here in verse 11. He says, for the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the, rich, shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Now we know that God's timing is not our timing. And a lot of times we wonder, when is this, when is this trial? When is this oppression? When is this persecution? When is it going to end? But we must completely, as we go back, as we rewind back to verses 5 and 6, that if we lack what wisdom, if we need wisdom, that we uh, must ask of God. We're not to seek anywhere else. 
We're not to seek any any publication or anything like that. We are to ask of God who upbraideth not and he giveth to all men liberally, but we must ask in faith. It must, it, that requirement there of faith is a must because like I said earlier, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then we, we go to verse 12 and it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, do we as human beings like enduring anything? No, we don't. We like everything to be smooth sailing. We like everything to be peaches and cream. No, we, we don't like to endure anything. However, if we're going to become more Christ-like in our life, each and every day, we have to endure trials. We have to endure temptations. We have to endure persecution. And persecution that we that we deal with here in this country isn't anything to what other people on foreign in foreign lands are enduring. What we endure is somebody saying something maybe negative or false toward us. You know that that that's not persecution. But then. It says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried. He shall receive the, the crown of life. It, it, it doesn't say he might receive the crown of life. He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised. He promised it. And one thing that we have to remember with our Lord is our Lord is perfect. He cannot sin. If he promises something, sometime and at some point down the line, it will come to fruition. It will manifest itself if he promises it. You know, so that, that's how much confidence that we can have in our Lord. And it says in verses 13, <clears throat> Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now get this in verse 14. For every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Each and every one of us have a sin nature. We were born with a sin nature. We will have that sin nature in us until either the Lord raptures us out of here or we we uh, encounter death one day. That sin nature is with us when the Lord saved us. We have his spirit and we still have that sin nature. And whichever one we feed is the one that's going to win. But see, we all have that lust. Satan is going to tempt us. He's going to appeal to our flesh. He's going to appeal to the things that get our attention. He's going to appeal to those things that we hold the dearest in our lives. He's going to appeal to those things that attract us the most. It, it's, it's almost as like the Satan's out there fishing and whatever lure that attracts you, whatever bait that attracts you the most, that's what he's going to entice you with. That's what he's going to tempt you with. What might what might tempt me, what might draw me, what might get my attention may be different from what gets your attention. 
But what we have to do is we're fighting an enemy that is far, far, far greater than us. That's why we have to put our full dependence and our full faith in our Lord and Savior so that when those temptations come, he gives us the grace, he gives us the mercy, he gives us that way of escape so that we can endure those temptations and not be enticed and drawn away. Because it says in verse 15, it says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We know that the wages of sin, <coughs> or the payment of sin, is death. Jesus Christ came to the cross of Calvary. He paid that sin debt for you and I. He paid that sin debt. He was that spotless Lamb of God without blemish. He came. He paid that sin debt for you and I. He, he died. He endured hell. He defeated death, hell, and the grave so that if you and I would come to him by faith and accept him on the terms of the gospel, that we would not have to endure the eternal punishment in hell of sin, that we could be with him in heaven. And he says in verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. In other words, don't err about the fact that sin bringeth forth death and that we are the ones with the sin nature. God is perfect. God, God is there on his throne. He's there to deliver us and have us to walk in his paths of righteousness. But if we choose to let our own desires, our own lust entice us, sin will come our way and the wages of sin is death. <clears throat> but lastly, in verses 17 and 18, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will uh, begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every good gift we get comes from our Father in heaven. There is no, there is no darkness about him. There is no confusion, confusion about him. And of his own will, he sent his only begotten son. And when Jesus Christ, the only begotten son, was hanging on the cross of Calvary from noon till three o'clock, God the Father turned his back on him because he was not going to look on sin. And Jesus bore our sins for us so that we may be the sons of God. Well, that's the message for today. I hope it's been a help. And we will pick up in verse 19 in James chapter one next week. Thank you and have a great day.